Now, where did I put it? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the Toolbox. Tools for life and everything in between. Stuff you can use or toss, it's up to you. Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to Tools in the Toolbox. This is episode 21. And again, I have a fantastic guest on here and I can't wait to introduce him to you all. So we'll get started right away. Who are you and what is your military background? Hmm, right into it. Let's Dive do right it. Let's do it. Um, my name is Chris Dupee. I, uh, my military background, I joined in uh, 2005. I started my, my basic training out of, out of Saint-Jean, uh, Quebec. Um, did, uh, did all that, went to Meaford um, to get qualified as an infantryman. I, I couldn't... Uh, I couldn't sign up as anything else. I, ne I didn't see past the infantry uh, for whatever reason at that time in my life. Like choice one, two, three, infantry, infantry, infantry. I'm sure the recruiters were like, <laughs> this guy. Yeah. But I couldn't have it any other way. So, um, and, then, and then kind of on top of that, I picked the, uh, the third battalion, uh, Royal C Canadian Regiment um, to go to. I really didn't know much about the military before I joined. Um, I was calling everybody, sir, uh, you know, at St. John. Um, and then, yeah, I remember like there was, there was a French um, master seaman that came up. I was fire picket on a Saturday night before course started basic. <laughs> and uh, he's, he started coming up. Uh, he came up to the room, he's giving, um, He's telling me instructions and how to be fire picket. And then uh, when it came time to acknowledge him, I said, yes, sir. And uh, he's like, in a heavy French accent, he's like, I'm master. I'm not, sir. I work for a living. I'm master seaman. And I, I said, seaman? <laughs> no way. <laughs> so I, I thought I misheard that. So I was like, yeah. Yeah. He looked at me and walked away. Yeah. Uh, like I was by myself on the floor. I had not. I didn't know what to do, man. I was just scared of the guy in rally, and uh, um, yeah, it was fun. But basic. okay, so you you make it through basic, you make it through Meaford, which I had a blast. I was an instructor in Meaford. I had so much. Oh fun no, there. Um, but and then you get to battalion. What's battalion like? You show up to battalion still wearing all your grays. <laughs> Be like, holy, you know, everybody's looking at you. Um, you know, intimidated by everybody. Uh, and I, I remember forming up, uh, we were with Oscar Company, um, across from the paratroopers, my company, yep. all these guys who were wearing maroon berets. And I didn't know what that meant. I just know that those guys are different and a little bit more scary than everybody else on this parade right now. I don't mm -hmm. know why I felt that way though. Um, we did a, we did a PT test. I don't know how many of us were, you know, grays, uh, 10, 20, whatever it is. And uh, we did the airborne PT test. That's like the first thing that you do when you get to battalion. And uh, they, 
took the top 10 from from that and put them into my company i was one of them nice. uh, so we had a, a green beret i had a green beret in my company um well everybody else had the maroon ones so again you're standing out right yep I'm, i'll be in my gray jumpsuit again um i'm scared death of heights man like i've i've never gotten along with it i've never been cool with it but here i am in my company and these guys jump out of airplanes <laughs> and i'm wearing a green beret so i'm in a rush to get this done and over with yep. uh i could wear my maroon beret um but yeah I'd, so went on the course uh jump course uh, i don't know yeah i won't say the word what it was but it was hard it was a tough <laughs> course hey <laughs> oh man i've never been through anything like it uh, i'm so proud to have done it i'm wearing my airborne shirt for god's sakes coincidentally but but yeah so did it got the battalion um yep. a couple of years i think i had to wait two or three years for a deployment um so you know battalion battalion life for about a year and then two years of good workup training um yep. text wayne right you know more bullets than you could fire more money than you could spend not me battalion yeah uh, um so it was a pretty cool two years uh, followed by, um, I was on task force 308. So deployed with, uh, my company to spur Wangar. Good old um, spur. Were you in spur? I was in Massengar for most of my tour, but, uh, I, we stopped it at spur every once in a while and everyone thought they were rock stars over there. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a pretty, uh, pretty nice place to yeah. be depending what year you were there, obviously. I was Task Force 108, so I was right before you. And uh, yeah. Spur was nice, and Massengar was still being built, so we didn't have uh, we didn't have like sh uh, shower facilities. We didn't have uh, washing facilities. We had to hand wash all our stuff. Still, um, we had to have buddies pour water over top of you to have a shower. Like it was, <laughs> yeah, we were still hard no. living. Spur was set up. Uh, we even um, added up. Uh, we built the engineers, uh, they brought in all this wood and everything. And then uh, we made deals with them. We're like, hook us up. Right. I don't remember what was the exchange, but we got wood and we built bunks so we can have privacy. Right. Yep. And, um, and that's exactly what it was. There was a little curtain. You could crawl out and then go do your thing. Uh, that's, it was nice. Um, uh, what else, what else did we, did we do there? But anyways, it was nice. Uh, I spent, I don't know, the better part of a month, if not a month, in uh, Zangabad as well. Um, that was, that was, uh, that was, you know, you get there and you see all the, um, all the ticks that the, the Patricias, like we, we just took over for them that they were in and like that, it was pretty steady. Um, and you can only kind of predict that it's going to be the same and it uh, more or less was uh, interesting. Yeah, that that whole area was uh, like the the Panjway, uh, the Zari Panjway area was just ridiculous. Like we were getting we were getting rocketed pretty much every day. I think there was a point in time where we, uh, I think it was like three or four days where we were sitting there like at night going, "Yeah, is it is it coming? Is it coming?" Yeah. And then nothing happened, and we were all weird out by like three days of not getting rocketed. We were just like, I don't understand what's happening. Uh, and yeah. then we all felt relieved when we actually got rocketed. 
later that uh, I think it was on the fourth day or something. Right? Like, <laughs> fuck, and we're good. Yeah, fine. exactly. Okay, back to the pattern of life. We're good. Yeah, this is fine. Um, but that whole exactly. area, I mean, we went from, I was in Massengar for a bit, and then we went up to Fob Frontenac for a while, um, patrolled out of there for a little bit, and then handed that over to, uh, I think it was the, I think it was your tour Are, where they got handed over the, the 75th versus the 75th or something. Oh, I think, I know the Yankees took over that over pretty quick. And then we were, we helped build up uh, Lacacau and um, what was the other one? Uh, Ashkay. So over towards the Hellman border there. Those, you know, that's the ones we worked on. We were on Ring Road South all the time. I was on QRF for five months out of the eight that was overseas. So we were just constantly like shit's going down. Okay. Well, off we go again. Okay. Oh, shit's going down again. Okay. Off we're going again. Like it was just constant, constant. Run. Yeah. If you, are, if you have no idea where you're going to be sent out to. Um, and you know, that kind of gives the, you're, you're in a vulnerable spot as uh, as a QRF because like how the Taliban used to, you know, they would dig in their IEDs, right? Uh, they wouldn't be armed, uh, but if they could predict where you're going to go, they'll quickly go out, arm them, right? Hide, and hopefully you walk over it. And I would imagine that with uh, QRF, they know where you are. I would say you're, you're on a base. They always come out of there. Yep. Um, they know where the incident is yep too right so uh yeah it's it's a pretty vulnerable you know you can't plan the route like no you can but it's a pretty hasty plan right yeah and, and it's it's direct right like you the we're not taking a circuitous route to get to a qrf call right we're going straight there and yeah. i was in you know i'm an engineer as well so like we were we were the lead vehicle normally sometimes it'd be a tank out front otherwise it would be us um, we were in the first year to have the e-labs, so we were we looked different, right? Our vehicle looked different. We always got out and dealt with the VPSs. We were always the guys out front to uh, to clear areas. We found a number of IEDs that were uh, they had dug one in under. Do you remember where the nine five northing is? There was that little uh, canal when you head north from Massamgar towards Wilson. There's a canal that we had to check every day. And uh, one day they actually found uh, an IED that had been emplaced before the road was built. So like it would have been emplaced back in 06 while they were still building the route to get to Wilson. Like it was just insane. Uh, it was three big cook pots that they had found in there. It was, it was insane. You just didn't have the chance to arm it, I guess. Or well, yeah, that's the thing, but I like, I searched that area. I searched yeah. it every day multiple times a day never found the wire it was just like three inches sticking up wrapped around the base of a little bush and then the one day would actually that it was found was because they had armed it they had set a line up and it had uh you'd see that little anthill you know where they try and cover the wire all the way back to the firing point <laughs> so someone noticed that and they're like what the fuck and then they actually dug it out from underneath all of the uh it was under the hard pack under the asphalt like three layers down it was yeah it's been there forever anyway thank god yeah that he noticed that you know yeah. and, and to bring it back to basic training real quick i remember um like we would get marched from this place to that place you know we had a really good uh nco uh chase on 
uh, he was master corporal. He, I think he retired as a sergeant. Anyways, um, he would always be like, what was, what was, uh, he'd be like, uh, Private Dupuis, what was the license plate on that vehicle that just passed? Or of the color of uh, whatever. Yeah. And obviously in retrospect and with the gift of, um, you know, time and looking back, you, you can see what he was doing, right? And you can see with your story where those things pay off. Oh yeah. And save. Yeah. And that's, you know, I used to, when I was an instructor, I would, that's what I would harp on was like details, 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 details. It's all about the details. And you know, the recruits are always, well, man, like we can never win. And I'm like, I know like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not here to make you win. I'm here to make you look and uh, to get yep. people to really like, look, because you're right. It is a life and death kind of deal you you either find something and you know i've said this a couple of times and i laugh about it now but um when i was clearing roads or looking for ieds or stuff like that i i lived off of the the mindset of i'll either find it or it's not my problem anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) like that's it so you either do your job right or it doesn't matter and there was no question about it right um we also have the same mindset in minefield use. Like if there is doubt, there is no doubt. So if you even have a hunch that you might be in a minefield, yeah. you are. <laughs> yeah. Just deal with it like it. Um, yeah. But so, so you, you did uh, Task Force 308. That puts you back in early 09. Yeah, I got back. Michael Jackson died. I remember that. It was like yep. kind of around that time. Yeah, that would have been like right afterwards you got like you would have been back in February, March kind of deal. And I think he died in April or May. It was that would have been pretty fast. I came back April. So Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I came back. Um uh issues, fuck is uh is per I thought I thought I could run from uh from my own issues, so I, I put in for a posting to yeah. um the Queen's Own Rifles hmm. in Toronto. Yep. Um, is an amazing regiment. I can't say enough good about them. I wasn't in the right place personally. Um, that was that was kind of the beginning of the end of my military tenure. Um, mm-hmm. Being posted in Toronto, uh, it was a total different environment. I, I didn't realize back then how important my environment and surroundings were. I was not with my brothers anymore. Mm-hmm. I was with a, um, a new tribe. A good tribe but it, it's it wasn't the same for me um and i was getting caught up in all kinds of little sh- stuff and you know everything starts falling apart at that point yeah uh, but the experience was was something else because i was more on your side of the house in like when we went to meaford and all this stuff on uh, on the weekends so mm-hmm. i was on the inside it was uh it was very interesting to um to be on that that side of the house uh so that wasn't an instructor more like cq type stuff and i'd bring out food out in the field and i'd be like well have fun out here tonight i'm going back to the shacks fellas <laughs> <laughs> love that yeah it was it was cool though, uh, so. and so you were in queen's zone for how long a year or two yeah yeah, about two years, um, and then I uh, 
I left. Um, remember, um, it was during a uh, da, 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 your yearly medical or whatever. The the docs, you know, he's asking me questions, and I guess I I sent up some red flags. I don't know, and he's like, "Well, you should uh, go see somebody, maybe you know this," and I didn't. And uh, I remember I had like explosion at uh at the then i was like okay <laughs> i guess something uh, something's not not clicking right so yeah. got the old good old diagnosis of ptsd um and then uh yeah like that's that's a venture in and itself but um yeah it is got post jpsu um you know for it's a really well-intended um unit and i understand why it exists just it was shit yeah. at, back then um i would go like months without anybody calling or and, and i wasn't complaining but um looking back it's like that is a big gaping crack um that i'm sure a ton of people fell through yep. um you know i've said for many years, well intended it is it's well intended right like it it, it has a lot of um it's got a good idea but when you separate from your brothers, when you separate from everybody else, you are, well, you're a bit of a, a martyr, right? Because like nobody wants to deal with you because you're that, that crazy guy, right? So nobody really wants to engage you. They don't know how. And then <clears throat> you're also, you have no direction. There's no overall mission. There's nothing to train for. There's nothing to like, there's, you just kind of sit there at JPSU like, you got any timings like am I... like what do you i know <laughs> yeah and, and uh... it, it, i i feel too like i i i i've met some people that worked at jpsu um and 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 the individuals that that worked there with with the heart with uh the right stuff you know what i'm talking about they're not yep. there filling a position they're there because they actually like it mm -hmm. uh, they're getting, uh, some of them are getting like sanctuary trauma and stuff like that from having their hands cuffed and not being able to help the way that they see that they can, right? It's, trauma is like, it's born everywhere. It's yeah. not like um, uh, you have to go to war to, be, uh, to feel trauma. Like I meet people from all over the, the place and different backgrounds and, and um, you know, they, it all looks the same. The landing spot, it's kind of, you know, we're all yep. fucked up together. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah. But uh, I've said it a few times too, is that like trauma is trauma. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter that I got blown up. That might not affect me. We could be in the same vehicle in the same IED blast beside each other. And our experiences and our trauma are going to be totally different. Right. Yeah. Some people get trauma from being shot at. Others get trauma from seeing other people get shot at. Some people get trauma. I mean, the average citizen, you know, we were talking earlier about what happened to me last week. That would be massively traumatic for people. Like just having a knife pulled on you for most people is a that's a huge deal. That's it's not something you want to deal with. And that but it it is a you know, trauma is how you accept whatever circumstances you're in, right? It doesn't bother me, but it could have bothered you. 
could have bothered that person. It, like it, it's a very personal thing, but it doesn't alleviate um, our like. You hear this a lot for military guys, right? Like, oh, people won't understand. They weren't there. They didn't live it. They won't understand. And that's right. Like people maybe may not understand particularly the exact emotions that were happening when you got into a firefight or you had to deal with um, trying to help someone and then being thrown to the wolves like that. But you can empathize, right? Like I can, I understand what it's like to be afraid. I can empathize with you and be like, okay, I understand that was a scary thing. Okay. I can, I roger that. I understand now. And I think with sanctuary trauma, especially, that's another one that I really want to get into another day. Um, that's horrific, right? That's is what I think what a lot of guys uh, from Yugoslavia and Bosnia um, were dealing with a lot because they want to help, right? They want to do stuff. And then they're told, no, can't do that shit. So it's a, uh, that's a painful, painful thing to go through. I can't, like, I'm very happy the way my release went that I didn't, have to deal with JPSU, like my contract just ended. And then when I did my exit medical, they gave me a, a medical release because I'm all fucked up. And that was the way it was. But uh, I know a lot of guys that went through the JPSU system and just it, it wrecked them more than it helped them. Some guys came out of it well, right? It's yeah. Yeah, to each their own, right? And uh, it's definitely not to bash on on uh, on the JPSU, like like we pointed out mm -hmm. is what it um you know and and if i wasn't in the jpsu i i don't know what i would have been exposed to to and what would have unraveled from there yeah. right so at the end of the day it it helped me um but like i said that's also a big gap that people yeah. could fall in so i mean to each their yeah so uh, how long were you in jpsu you, then you know hmm Two years, yeah, two years, I guess. Uh, just, so through the uh, temporary, two temporary categories at that time, I um, I worked at the battle school in Toronto. Uh, that didn't work out for me. Again, I was being a dick. Um, mm -hmm. I couldn't help it at the time, I guess. Um, I also went on a trip with Wounded Warriors or uh, to france uh it was pretty cool yeah it's a good go man <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man i remember this trip oh something uh so but as let me back up return to work wounded warriors like yeah come come work for us mm -hmm. at that time military minds started so i got a little bit of voice and maybe i i got their attention um and i remember having advice like i'd gone on the news once okay um and i got the attention of the founder of points you know the trap um ticket specialists or mm -hmm. whatever it brings me into his office i'm kind of dressed like this like <laughs> really i am and um he's like well first of all never show up to a meeting like that again um uh you know i he wanted to mentor me I got the feeling he wanted to um, help guide me and I fucked that up too. And I'll tell you how, um, because I was telling him about the wounded warrior uh, trip 
he knew about military minds. He knew like kind of what I was up to. And uh, he's like, don't do it. Don't go. Um, it's not worth it. He knew what they probably wanted, right? Yep. Maybe at the time. And uh, so I, uh, I went to France and I, I never talked to that guy again. But what he did that was cool beyond cutting up my, my dressing department of that day was he wrote me a check for $2,000 and he said, buy a suit. I'm like, I could buy 10 suits with this mm -hmm. and bring my family out for dinner. Mm -hmm. uh, but that happened. You know, um, he was, he was a true guy that, that wanted to look out, but I didn't heed his advice. I'm glad I went, I'm glad I went on the trip anyways, uh, yeah. hang out with the wounded warrior guys and, um, you know, get to know many people. Uh, it was a bike trip. Uh, so I wasn't biking. I was a uh, safety, safety vehicle. Nice. <laughs> I was just driving France. <laughs> yeah, no bigs. Just like, yeah, this is a nice country. <laughs> <laughs> But we started in England, <clears throat> and I was the driver. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, driving on the other side of the vehicle was weird, and on the other side of uh, the road, yeah, other side, of the street. But then we went over to France, and everything was normal again. But I was on the wrong side of the vehicle. <laughs> so it was <Yeah>. just <laughs> good times. <laughs> okay, so the uh, you know, how long were you in total? So six years, um, ten years, ten years. Ten. Okay, oh five. Okay, yeah, sixteen. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, uh, technically, two months shy of ten years. Oh, okay, <laughs> I asked for months, but they wouldn't. Yeah, they they have a habit of doing that. <laughs> okay, so you're <laughs> now that you're you got out in fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, fifteen. Okay, so what did you do then like you you've obviously started mill mines you've uh you've been to france and back which is always nice <laughs> um oh, I talked to and how um, did, like how did the concept for military mines get started uh by an accident it was a mistake man um i uh when i was at the queen's own rifles one of the things that I seen was class A troops. They always needed work. Uh, they mm -hmm. always wanted work. So we always knew who was available to come in to do uh, class A days. And uh, maybe some people don't know what that might mean. So when you're a reservist, uh, you, you go in basically one, one night a week, you're, you're responsible for plus a, a weekend a month or, you know, a little bit more than that. But there's also class B guys that work there full time um every day just as if uh, they were in the military full-time mm -hmm. uh, but the class a guys they're always open for work um and they could come in for a day and do whatever it is that the class b guys kind of say to do or work together um wasn't enough work for them and there was a lot of people and uh, before i joined the military my brother he had a power washing company and um so I would always do power washing with them. It was a pretty easy job. Like you spray, mm -hmm. rub, and that's it. Um, so I, uh, I bought a little trailer, like a little outdoor trailer um, with a water tank and a, and a, uh, a power washer. And 
started scouting some places that might need work. So finally started picking up work. I called the power washing company Military Mines because I was going to mostly use those Class A guys and get them work, um, which we did. But uh, it took a drastic turn um, at some point. Uh, the power wash company was doing a uh, like Military Mines mobile power washing was doing a fundraiser for um, a military charity. Mm -hmm. One of my wife's friends before he's a videographer uh, reached out to my wife, Angel, and uh, said, hey, I see uh, your husband's doing a charity or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm a freelance videographer. Uh, I'd like to do a video of him, can you ask, kind of thing, and we can promote that so yeah um i'm like cool let's do it i've i've never done anything like this remember the experience being the weirdest of my life up until that point yep uh you put a mi uh, microphone on me uh i remember he told me go walk down there on the train tracks walk back to me talking but it was weird because he's <laughs> far away Right. And, and I'm talking to him and I'm just, oh, it was the strangest thing, man. And I wasn't doing a good job for him. I know that because he kept sending me down the train tracks again. <laughs> um, we didn't really get much. I think he might have just got enough. Yeah. To, to, right. So I'm driving him home. I picked him up. I'm driving him home. Um, and then I start talking um, about my military experience recently. I was diagnosed with PTSD and I'm trying to figure out what the fuck that even means. Um, and I opened up to this guy. His name's Paulo, by the way. Hmm. So I opened up to Paulo and I told him, yeah, like this is, this is what's up in my life right now. Um, you know, I'm kind of coming to the end of my career here I'm setting up whatever. And he's like, Hey, can I start filming? Can I film this? Like what you're talking about? And uh, I'm like, sure, whatever. And he's filming me talking about my my shit, my experience, and whatever. Drop him off. Week later, you know, he shows me a video um, for the uh, the promotion, and it's not a video for the promotion. It's me talking about PTSD. Mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa, that's uh, that's heavy, man. Um, you know, he left it up to me whether it's going to be released or not. He's just like. I put this together for you. Yeah, it's up to you. Yeah. Sat on it, sat on it. I don't think I sat on it that long in a week. And then yeah. uh, I was like, fuck it. Fuck it. Like, what would you say? What would you say before your uh, knife? <laughs> so be it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, so be it. Let's go. And, uh, and that's what happened. Um, and from that moment on, it's been a whirlwind. It's um, of uh, imposter syndrome is a big thing that happened to me mm -hmm. at that from that mo moment forward. I'm a guy. I only have ten years. I think like maybe eight at that point or something. Yeah. And uh, I only have one. <laughs> right, my military experience isn't really that come on like i we are always comparing ourselves to somebody right and if i'm comparing to somebody else it's never at the end of the day i did 10 years in the military i did a tour to afghanistan like 
what more do I want from that experience? Yeah. Um, but I wasn't carrying like that. I was carrying as if I'm going to be figured out. People are going to know that, that I was scared or I was like every insecurity that I have, I figured everybody would know. Yep. And that's like, unfortunately had to carry myself through that experience. It's, it's not a fun, fun thing to deal with either. And I think I'm not really sure where it comes from. I mean, for me, I was thinking about this the other day and I was, I was thinking like all of our military training, our consequence is extreme, right? If you don't do your job, people fucking die. Exactly. Period. End of discussion. There's nothing else to talk about. And I find that, you know, once we get out of the military, we still think that way, right? You still think that the consequence is going to be the extreme regardless. Mm -hmm. And I found like, for me, I, like, I still suffer this imposter syndrome and I get, you know, I'm doing stuff for the walk for veterans and I got this podcast and I'm trying to, you know, keep myself out in the world, but I still struggle with it. Every time I sit there, I'll have a post on my phone and I'll be staring at it going like, Mm, like is this really like this is garbage and then eventually i'll do the same thing i'll just be like fuck it send done right get it out there but i think what for myself what it comes from is the fact that the i'm thinking of the consequence of the extreme which is somebody's gonna find it find me out right i'm they're gonna be like oh this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about or this guy is spouting shit and then i'm gonna have to deal with you know the whirlwind of public exposure where people are like this guy's a fucking piece of garbage blah 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 and when i started with the walk uh with the walk for veterans was i was expecting this tier one paragon to just show up right <laughs> like there, there's gonna be this guy from the hill and he's gonna be like all right boys this is what's happening this is what's gonna we're gonna fix everything follow me and you're like roger right. follow, and like you're good <laughs> like i'll follow that guy no problem yeah but that guy doesn't exist, right? That's no. I eventually figured that out. <laughs> There's no perfect person that's just going to come down and fix everything for us. And then I was just like, well, I guess since I'm the one here, I guess I'll just start working. And if somebody comes along that's better, cool, they can take over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, where do you think, like, do you have an idea where your the imposter syndrome comes for you? Because for me, a lot of it is that, that catastrophizing, right? Like, oh my God, the worst thing is going to happen. Where does it come from? It's ultimately, I believe it all just comes from insecurities. Um, I think our, our military experience has amplified that like tenfold um, though, because like just, just the being in the military period in that military environment, you know, it really is dog eat dog. Mm -hmm. All you have to do to really like, um, stand out in a negative way is go to the mir reason even you know yeah. <laughs> so you're constantly thinking like how is maybe people going to judge me right uh i don't want to look like a piece of shit because i'm not i don't have i don't identify with that piece of shit over there I, yep. we all know is um he's probably a great person uh but just not you know standard kind of yep. thing yep. but i do with that right so uh, i i don't know man uh, you know there was there was a time when when i was uh, like 
civilian before military and i would look up at soldiers as gods like oh man you you got figured out like how cool is it to be you you know you'd see them like just a random place and uh that's that's the feeling that i got but then when i became a soldier i'm like what i get weird when people say thank you for your service yeah like what (laughs) yeah how did i insecure about being a soldier all of a sudden (laughs) you know i think the, the, forward and I'm on the news and I'm representing veterans and I'm representing soldiers. Do you know how f- <clears throat> messed up that is? Like, oh yeah, to be that voice and and you're sitting there right now. <clears throat> the biggest um, thing that I could do to combat that thought, it never worked back then though. Um, but I can tell you now, I don't really care what anybody thinks. You know, to a certain extent, we always do. Yep. But not that. Um, I've realized my story is my story. Um, and I embrace it. Either you love me or you hate me, uh, or somewhere in between, they're always gonna be there. You know, the haters will always be there, the lovers will be there, uh, no matter what. Yep. Um the acceptance of that, accepting that, you know, that soldier with six tours. Uh, and 35 years in um, doesn't like me because you know i'm i'm talking you know except accepting that yep. when the tr- the matter is though because I've, I've been doing this long enough to see how these things unfold everybody that i was worried about that six tour sergeant or that you know what i mean oh yeah they they get it man they they support like they they get the help that they need too, and yep. and that's illusion. We all live in a, an insecure kind of illusion um, that is not reality. No, it's uh, <clears throat> it's such a it's an illusion, right? We I I used to when I have these conversations with um, with certain people, like I got into this conversation about uh, with my mom about um, concealed carry whether or not we should have allow concealed carry in Canada. And I was like, absolutely we shouldn't. She was absolutely, we shouldn't. And, and I was like, safety is an illusion, right? Because any random dude could just walk into your house and do whatever the fuck you wanted. Right. By the time the cops got there, it's already too late. Even on like a good day where they're in the area, you're looking at a minute or two. Anyway, I went on this whole tirade of it, but it's the same thing with our insecurities, right? They're illusions. They're, uh, they're the thoughts that we think because we're, we're not only thinking about how others are judging us, but we're like, how would I judge myself looking at somebody else doing this? Oh. Right? But nobody else knows the story. Nobody else knows what I've gone through unless I tell them. Nobody else knows how I am you know, uh, absorbing the information that I'm getting every day, unless I discuss it with them. And one of the things that I found especially helpful for uh, uh, the, in, the the insecurity and the, uh, the imposter syndrome that I'm constantly going for is just to do it. Like, just try, because who the fuck knows, right? Like, it could work, it could not, if somebody, and then you can deal with it. And it's the same thing we did in you know, in our training was if, uh, you know, what I said earlier, if I think I'm in a minefield, I am. Mm-hmm. 
period treated as such right and we i think we have to move forward with that same concept when you when your brain is telling you you know oh people don't want to know that or nobody's gonna fucking read that shit it doesn't matter mm. do it anyway right just yeah. fucking do it and it, you know lifting weights um learning a new skill trying to do anything like i started jujitsu a couple years ago now i haven't been able to train because of covid but like i started as a brand new white belt right <laughs> and i was getting yeah. choked out by little uh, 112 pound girls, <laughs> 17. And I'm like, well, shit. But had I sat there and gone, oh, well, you know, well, I don't know if anybody will want to train me. I'm too broken. I'm, I, I can't do that. Or uh, I, 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 I'm not going to roll with her because I'll crush her, right? Those thoughts are what fuck us up. That's what trips us up. That's where the imposter syndrome gets stronger. But when you just fucking do it, you find out what happens. And then you're good to go either way. So like I said earlier, you know, if uh, when I'm looking for IEDs and shit, I'm either right or it doesn't matter mm -hmm. because then I can, I can assess if something else happens. Now what do I do? Okay. Well, you know, uh, I put out a post and nobody likes it. Yeah. Whatever. It's gone. Right. doesn't matter anymore. I put out a post and everybody likes it. Cool. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Carry on. Right. Like you just, you face the act, you face the thing that is, uh, the, what the insecurity is screaming about and then you just fucking do it. Would you say that like a, how would you, how do you manage? The... What I tell my daughter is like all that noise inside of your head that you hear. And I remember this was just the other day. She was so nervous to get online uh, to do this presentation. Her and I were working like hours the day before on, and she was confident about it. But when it came time, like she was really shaken up. And I said, you know, all that noise in your head, nobody else can hear it. Nobody. Everything that you're scared of, they don't understand. They don't know that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I keep harping on that day now. So like any opportunity that I can anyways, that they don't hear it. And one of the tools that I use, um, perspective. Perspective has been the biggest tool for me and to force myself out of my mental state and look at it look at what's going on and one of the things that i use to to bring me to that level is all that stuff that i am saying to myself like you're an idiot you're this you're that would i accept somebody saying that to my daughter someone saying that to anybody that i love right because truth be known if you're talking to my kids like that you know i'm gonna get angry but why why do i accept me talking to me like that right mm -hmm. uh, so that forces you out of it um always uh giving yourself credit and a pat on the back when you do something good you know and that could be very little things too right really it could be i showered today it could be i paid the bills I, that small i brought out the recycling this morning yep and, you know that's that's all good stuff right and, and we forget to give ourselves credit for it Ab absolutely it is one of the hardest things to do <clears throat> not only to give yourself credit but to accept credit from others 
uh, one of the, that's one of the things I struggle with constantly. You know, people tell me, oh yeah, the walk last year was really great. I really appreciate you putting it all on. And I'm sitting there going in my head. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm self-criticizing and I'm not giving myself the credit. So I'm immediately debasing the credit that somebody else is giving me. Yeah. Just out of habit at that point. And it is, uh, it's like you said, though, it's reps, right? Just like everything else. If you want to be really good on your reload drills, rep it out. Rep it, rep it, rep it, rep it, rep it, rep it. Find what the issue is, fix it. Rep it, rep it, rep it, rep it, right? And it's the same thing. If you can't give yourself credit for something, as exactly what you said, give yourself credit for something small. You did X. You did Y. And be thankful for it. I mean, it is so hard to be gracious especially from the military community because we kick the shit out of ourselves all the time for a purpose though because we want to be better right it's a drive to to perform and a drive to exceed and you know you want to be that guy that everybody else looks to when shit's hitting the fan that's just who we are that's we want to be Mm -hmm. that guy um and it, it is a, it's a very hard thing to accept <laughs> that <clears throat> that doesn't work in civilian life. Like after you're, mili- after you're outside the military, when you're not in battalion, it doesn't really help you that much <clears throat> to constantly beat yourself up, right? Do you, mm-hmm. like, there's a small amount of utility in, you know, uh, having ambition and trying to be better and stronger and wanting to grow but I don't think there's a requirement to beat ourselves up the way we do. Do you think there's a, like a utility? Is there a, something, some way you can use it? Everybody has it. It's not exclusive to us. Um, you know, people can use it the exact same thing to their advantage um, and just treat it as it's like, Okay, I'm 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 feeling really overwhelmed right now. I'm 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 about to I'm about to snap. I'm about to whatever. But like, learn to sit with that. Learn to say like, one minute, we'll talk later, you know, and then to understand what just happened, right? Um, I am losing my train of thought a little bit there, but no, I think that's that's accurate though. I mean, when we are. Uh, being able to take the time for yourself is super important. And if you, even in a conversation in, when you're engaged with something, or if you're trying to fix a task or, um, you know, do anything, having the ability to take that time and say, okay, hold on, I, I need a minute and take that minute, like actually take it and really be mindful in the moment and say, okay, I'm getting agitated give myself a second and being okay with that. That is one of the hardest things I've struggled with that for years now. <laughs> Sitting yeah. is, is very, uh, we like to run from it. We like to like me anyways, I can only speak from me. <laughs> we like to run from anything. I like to run from anything that makes me feel like man, start to create an avoidance. Um, you start to go into freeze, right? Uh, it's it's not a it's not a healthy, good place to be. You start really judging yourself, uh, 
comparing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I'm, you know, like I said earlier, when I, I wanted to talk to you specifically about this is because we have experience in it and because we still struggle with it, even though like, like I'm still getting my reps in and this right here, me being on the podcast with you and discussing it, this is what is giving me my reps today, right? I'm telling myself, this is what you need to do in this situation. So that I think a lot of us can really get a lot out of this just because of that, right? Just listening to this is a rep. Good job. You are looking at trying to better yourself, right? Solid. Accept that. Um, Give yourself a little pat on the back. Well done. You made a decision. You followed it through. You listened to this podcast. Done. Good. Pat on the back, right? Now move on to the next thing. What's next? What's your next step? What's the next mission? What's the next thing? And I know I had a really hard time trying to get rid of that voice in my head. That's, that's always keep going, fight, 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 fight. Just like give her, just keep going. (laughs) You never want to stop to actually just assess and retrain, but it's something that we got taught in the military all the time, right? You go hard until someone calls end X or someone stops and says, okay, everybody, we're going to do an AR. Everybody stop Mm -hmm. and think. And I think one of the things that we can really do is work on that for ourselves. You know, call an AAR with yourself. Stop in the, when you're all the insecurities are coming forward and all the stupid self-talk is uh, right in the front of your brain, just stop Do an AAR. Okay. What are the voices saying? What is it that I'm actually afraid of? What is the worst possibility that could happen right now? Is it, what is, you know, what are the good possibilities I could have? And like, just really assess, as you said earlier, detach emotionally from it, step back, mm-hmm. view. Because I believe in manifest manifestation. <clears throat> I believe that if we intend something, it will happen. Um, both good and bad. Like if, if I've rolled out the tape to that really bad ending that hasn't happened yet, it's like not even likely, it's barely reality. But I live that and I'm living in that mindset as if it's happened, that could happen. Yep. <laughs> that could literally happen. You could walk yourself onto that bad scenario. Um, so assess what, what are you looking at? Another tool that I use is understanding where my power lays. Let me explain that because if you have like, if you're depressed and all this, right. And, and you're, you're essentially giving your power away, your current power to the past. Like as you stand, you're powerless uh, to the realities around you. If you are having anxiety uh, about shit that ain't happened, you've given your power away to the future, haven't you? Like, you're still standing powerless against, and you've got to make decisions and life decisions and all that in that state of mind. Understand where you're at. Be present and don't make decisions until you're there. Um, 
because that that paranoid mind like that 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 fast 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 make decisions go like that is no more yeah those days are gone and we can't find them we're looking for them all the time they're not there you found it the other night with a guy with a knife and you're like fuck let's do it right we yep. will always rise to that occasion won't we um because we're looking for it yep we don't have to anymore we'll never get that war again we'll never experience that again and we have to accept that um we don't have to lay on a sword for anybody anymore we don't have to sacrifice our bodies we you know our minds or anything we are we're alone out here and we can thrive yeah um we have like really amazing transferable skills that if we just believed in ourselves the way that we did in basic training that get through this shit yeah right we did it once before like we went from civilian to soldier let's let's not forget how significant that is um we 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 dismiss it that's just basic training we see the gray guys coming in ah, yeah right but that was significant so in that sense everybody has proven that you can change um so everybody in our community um has already proven that uh unless they were born a soldier but <laughs> you know um <laughs> i think we frown on that kind of the whole child soldier thing we kind of frown on <laughs> uh but you know it's actually interesting yeah, to bring that yeah. up because uh i was talking to my psychologist about this the other day was um this is how we get through training right the 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 imposter syndrome is there when you're in training because it's telling you, I can't do any oh, more yeah. push-ups. I can't go on another ruck march. I can't take three more weeks of this. Oh my God. Well, like that's the little brain inside your head spooling off. And what Scared. do we say? Yeah. yeah. We just look at it like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> I can do this, but it's also how, you know, we've seen people quit, right? You see people in basic VR done. Yeah. Bye. And it's that it, yeah, we didn't, but the voice we've seen it happen we've seen the voice take over and just be like, that guy could have been a great soldier, but he's got his head. Yeah. Right. His mm -hmm. head got to him done. You see it. That's the whole reason we do prelims for, um, you know, JTF and combat divers and jumpers and like anything specialized. There's another level of stress. Mm -hmm. See if he can take it, see if they can take it and just push them harder, yeah. push them harder. And it's to get that, to get it in your mind, right. To say, yeah. doesn't matter what's yeah. next what's next and we always think about it in that term i mean at least for me I, I always did that was i just need to make it to tonight i just like i just need to get through this ruck march yeah period i'm not thinking yeah. about the next three months of fucking all the shit that i need to do it's just this ruck march but what a gift the military was for that reason alone though too though mm -hmm. right like we didn't really have to think about shit we didn't even have to think about what we were gonna wear the next nope. day <laughs> <laughs> in fact we looked for like we wanted instruction right it wasn't that we always we just knew what we were going to wear it was what what's the dress of the day for tomorrow right and they would right. tell you are we going to wear yeah. ffo cool full ffo you know are we wearing gas masks too? Full, full, full ffo <laughs> yeah full full fighting order um but we we were always looking for that direction and i you know when after I got out of the military, that's the same thing I was looking for. I was looking for that direction. I would talk to people and, you know, I'd talk to my wife and be like, you know, if you want me to do something, just tell me, but it's not her job to give me 
direction in my life, right? That's not her job. So it has taken a long time for me to get to that point where I can, I can direct myself. Mm -hmm. I can still direct others. I can still do all kinds of stuff, but just getting over that sense of required direction. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Very challenging, but you're right. Go ahead. That's what I, uh, being um, like the founder of cadence slash CEO, because I don't know what else sounds pretty sweet. Um, (laughs) This is the only reason why, but um, I don't have anybody on top be able to do 10 times better than I do now, to be honest with you. Like, uh, that's that's a bit, that's a me issue kind of thing, um, because I still kind of tassel with that um, and how that's translated, like for cadence and stuff, you know, the imposter syndrome and that is I, I, I can't advertise, man. I can't, I can't like post and say, hey, you know, come come here uh we can help like we legit can help we have therapists that can help in a wicked peer program but Mm -hmm. i can't tell people about it i work every every week up at greenstone muskoka it's an addiction treatment center and there's uh, vets up there that i work with every week and um they don't even know that i that i have cadence they don't even know that it's a thing um i just don't talk about it right but that that's a detriment to business because you know at the end of the day, I'm just, I'm a guy. Um, I started a business trying to survive. Um, but the business needs to kind of start to get elevated a bit. And I need to start pushing it out kind of, but I was always very insecure to do that because I don't want to come across as like, I'm the guy that has the answer. I I'm not that guy. Yeah, I'm the guy to get you a, a therapist and, and we can talk and I can remind you that you're not alone. That's yep. who I am. Right. The facilitator. Yeah. 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 I, I'm in the same boat. I was, you know, when we started with the, the walk for veterans, it was the same thing. I didn't, I didn't want to be on camera. I didn't want to be that guy. And there's a stigma too, as well for that. Like anybody in battalion or in regiment knows there's those guys that they're, you know, they feel like, they're full of themselves, right? That's what they, you look at and say, oh, well, that guy's always posting stuff and he's always constantly on online or he's constantly talking about what he's done and blah, blah, blah. You, nobody wants to be that guy. You, mm-hmm. you want to be the standard soldier, just like, I don't, I don't want to be in, <laughs> don't want to be in spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I was like, but somebody needs to do, somebody needs to make videos. Someone needs to bring the word out. Someone needs to talk to people and, I'm much more comfortable one-on-one. I could go into somebody's office and talk to them. I'm much happier doing that. But when you got a camera out in front of you and you're like, hey, everybody, this is what's going on, blah, blah, blah. It feels fucking weird. <laughs> it really yeah. does. I, uh, it, with the cameraman, like, I did that interview. I, I, I let, released that YouTube video. Um, I scored, a, like, an interview with Avery Haynes. Um mm-hmm. I was a bad troop. I snuck her. I snuck her into the uh, the gun park at Queen's Own. We did the interview there without asking for permission. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky. So Not good, man. Like, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Um, well, let's talk about Cadence then, for a uh, bit then. Yeah, sure, man. Sorry, sorry to, to interrupt your train of thought there. I was just thinking, like, oh, uh, no. we we haven't talked you about Cadence at all. Talking to you, I don't. 
Um, so let's, we, we kind of jumped right into uh, the bulk of the conversation, but we didn't really, we didn't get to a couple of things that I really wanted to talk about, which was one, your transition, because I think it's important to talk about everybody's transition. I've had guys that had an absolutely fantastic transition. I've talked to guys that had an absolutely horrible transition and everybody's story is different. So how was your actual transition going from, <clears throat> from JPSU to civilian? How did that go? It was fucked because that, that time, like I was, I was not right in my head. Yeah. Um, I was literally living out of my truck during that time. Um, and, uh, and like motel sixes when I, when I could, like, it was, it was a big mess, man. I didn't see a future for me. I was yeah. munching pills. I was trying to sleep. Like if I could sleep 24 seven, that's, that would have been my solution. Right. I'm trying to avoid a feeling instead yeah. of sitting. With it, right. Um, so if I were to paint a picture of what I looked like at that point, that was, that was kind of, I, I have a family. I have a wife, four daughters, but at that point I was on my own big time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, looking back, I still got to come to peace with all, all that happened. Um, but the transition was very scary. I didn't see a future, um, but a future happened nonetheless. Like, you know, in 2015 to not have, not having any, any future to, helping lead up um mft and in its infancy ne to now being a, a clinic owner operator to now being the uh director of military programming at greenstone muskoka mm -hmm. i couldn't have seen that shit. i couldn't see it i rolled the tape out um as bad as it could get um, and it usually had me dead in the end because yeah. my family would be better off without me. Right. Like that's, that's the mindset that I had at this time, not knowing that in, in five years or even at that point in, in like six months <laughs> that the first opportunity came. Um, so advice be available for opportunity. Um, if you're not available, it'll just keep going by right if you're seeing tunnel vision it'll go by that fast yep you gotta you gotta let your arcs need to be this and, and, and you need to let stuff in right so assess where you're at mentally man and uh but believe that those bad endings that you've you've set out it's not true it's not reality exactly my my doc always said to me um is it <clears throat> is it possible Right. Are, are those, are those extremes possible? And it'd be like, yeah. And they're like, okay, is it probable? And you're like, I mean, not really. <laughs> like when I first got out, um, I was thinking like, there's, this was uh, in, I got out in 13, 14. So, it, you know, there was that uh, uh, Patrice Vincent got killed, I think that next year and uh corporal cirillo got killed that next year uh there was the van attack in toronto there was the u-haul truck here in edmonton like shit was heading south right and i i would walk into my docks that i'd be like you know ready for i'm like 
shit's happening, right? Like, this is the worst scenario that I said. And um, she was like, okay, but like, think about this in terms of everyday society. How, uh, how probable is it that this is going to happen and you're going to be there and something and the worst is going to happen? Like, how probable is that? And he kind of be like, I'm a pretty logical guy. So I was like, well, I mean, it's not that high of a probability is probably I mean, yeah. it's pretty low on the scale. And she's like, okay, well, that's a start. So more than likely that's not going to happen. And I'd be mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess. And, but that little bit of acceptance, right. As you said earlier, radical acceptance is just so important to be able to say, okay, it may not happen. You could be prepared for it. Right. Like I'm, prepared for it. I still do rifle drills. I still do pistol drills. I still, you know, keep up on uh, the information as best I can, but I don't need to be encompassed by it. I can Mm. just, you know, keep it on the back burner. I have the skills. I know I'm competent. Cool. Move on. Right. And when, uh, sorry, go ahead. When when Nathan's Cyril and all that crap was going on, I know. And I, I don't know if this is exclusive to like, I don't know how much the Afghan experience played into a lot of our, uh, our psychs because I know seeing all the vulnerabilities over there, seeing Mm -hmm. how vulnerable we were and then feeling that same vulnerability here. It was like, that's an experience in and itself. Um, I believe there was a whole population of us that were exactly like you were. So you see, there it is, you it's know, because that's exactly how I was. Yeah. There it is coming. I knew it, you know, fucking my worst fears come true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it never ended up being that. Like we're, we're, you know, it's, it's terrible, obviously everything that's happened, but you know, from what we rolled it out to be, it, you know, if you, if you look back, it probably, probably doesn't match up. Yeah. And that, well, that's the, that's the point my doc was always trying to make was that like it, even if the worst does happen, that's a one in a million shot, right? That's, that's not the standard way of life for someone here in Canada for like, we don't expect to have major terrorist attacks here in Canada. We just don't because traditionally they haven't happened. So yeah. it makes sense to not expect that um, for somebody that, you know, you go overseas and you're looking at suicide bombers and IEDs and all this other shit that we had to deal with. That's what we expect because that's what happened over there. And then you come home and you're just like, well, I don't like, you, you can't marry those two things up. It's very difficult, but you know, with time and training and with, um, with therapy and help and all this stuff, we get to a point where we can now, I have no problem driving down the road. Whereas mm. when I first got home, that was very hard. I had, uh, you know, I can, I can manage some, some crowds now, whereas before I couldn't. And this is the, I think the thing that a lot of us forget is that time, patience and discipline are the levelers that will get you to where you want to go. If you are disciplined in seeing your doctor and making sure your, um, your fitness is good and your, um, uh, you're eating right and you're, you know, you're, you're doing everything you need to, you're getting those reps in good, mm. but you have to be patient to let it happen. Right. 
I would like to add um, uh, intentions to that. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you know, and that way, that way, your bearing will always, you know, be pointed in the right direction. It might be a little left or right, but you'll figure it out. Um, yep. Keep your intentions good, uh, whatever whatever your intentions are, um, because if you are disciplined, but you like you're intending for shit to just go south anyways, like you know. Well, we call those people preppers, I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah uh so Texas, there's a prepper that wished that he uh that he got a shovel <laughs> right <laughs> Probably stuck anyway. so tell tell me about cadence how long you've been doing that now three years um almost four years actually uh that uh that started with um i remember after my MFT time, I was uh, there was a lot of lot of downtime for me. And I've got a father-in-law. He he builds. He's a building man. Um, he's he's actually made me feel this small by accident because of my own insecurities. Because he would come to my house and fix shit. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't even do it myself, right? So as a man, that kind of hurt. Yeah. Uh, but I'm so grateful to have life. So he bought a building, uh, a new market, uh, you know, and he, he's building it, uh, you know, from demo to, to all the way up. And I asked if I could, uh, if I could join him, learn shit. I'm not doing anything. You don't even have to pay me. Um, I just want to know, like, how to do drywall. I want to know how to do framing, all that stuff. Um, so I, I volunteered. I, I did it um i learned lots of good stuff but i i also proposed to him that uh this office space that you're renting out to um perhaps doctors or whatever uh would you give me a shot at this uh i think i got an idea mm -hmm. um and uh and yeah he's like okay cool let's do it um you know, I, I, I reached out to Dr. D, um, some other people that I know, started assembling a team, um, not not even knowing what the hell I'm getting into, like like what you said. Like, I'm stepping in the medical field. I am just some dude from my company, BRCR, you know what I mean? Um, hmm. So we did it. Uh, we had the grand opening, man. We had amazing support uh we had the mps there uh, actually mp kyle peterson he stood up in the in the house commons and he recognized um cadence health and wellness that's awesome uh, i was really overwhelmed by that but yeah um again with the imposter syndrome though because here i am like kind of a, at this this cool position i got mps and this guy's talking about it in house of commons and i'm like yo <laughs> If these guys only knew I was just yeah. corporal from three RCR, you know. Um, <laughs> so I, I, yeah, my job is for me in my life, it's the best job that there is. I'm not a therapist. I'm not an admin. I'm not, I, I barely know anything about business, um, but I get to hang out with the troops like pre-COVID, pre-COVID, forget this shit. I would show up at the clinic Troops will come in to see the doc, but I get to hang out with them before and after. And little right. things that I do too, because 
it is my clinic and and i can control the uh the schedule to a certain extent right a lot of people around town they think they're they're alone they think whatever so if i if i know two paratroopers one's one's in the next town over and, and this is actually a real story i don't mean to bring up the cliche paratroopers but i know them they don't know each other so i the, the schedule will be that they cross paths nice gonna happen and i know that's gonna happen and i'm gonna facilitate it you know and uh make that connection i love that shit that's mm -hmm. that's the stuff right um and 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 they get to connect and know that they're not alone in this town they're not alone in their in their mind space there's others like them yeah so and it's so important to to link up with people that did the job right like, yeah engineers love hanging around with engineers because we get to talk engineer shit right we like to hang out with pioneers because they kind of know what we're talking about and we'll talk to infantry yeah. and we'll talk to them but there's a preference right the divers hang out with divers Air, yeah. airborne hang out with airborne there there you know there's there's a there's an understanding some, of it. some 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 would rather like no association right and yeah. and i get like it's 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 all over the place i try to understand everybody's story the best that i can to mm -hmm. Kind of help accommodate their experience at cadence um and anything that we do um but yeah it's uh man it, it has been an interesting path uh the stories that i've heard uh it's so goddamn sad man like it's a shame because i know how proud every one of us were at one point right yeah and, and to I see mean, still are Right. I think that's where a lot of that shame and the darkness comes from is because we're so proud and it's, uh, and capable, but I've, I've looked at it this way over the years is that, you know, I, I could beat myself up for having, you know, bad knees, bad back, bad shoulders, blah, 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 being crazy as shit. I could beat myself up and say, well, now you're useless. No, I'm not useless. I still have lots of life to, to manage. I still have lots of skills to, to give, and I have a shit ton of experience to pull from now. You know, I had eight years in the military tour of Afghanistan. I was an instructor for a couple of years. Like this is lots of tools for me to be able to utilize and pass on. And that's one of the things I took for me an instructor was like, I get to take all my skills and give it to somebody else. And that was my take. And I think it's similar for you, you know, working with cadence and helping out uh, vets and is that exact thing. You get to take those tools, all the information that we just talked about, and you get to hand it off to somebody and be like, this is what worked for me. Yeah. Right. Give it a shot. Yeah. And, uh, we're, we're rolling a bit over an hour right now. If, uh, you got any last points, anything burning on the top of your mind, you want to talk about? Mm, no, I was just, uh, I'm good. I'm good. Just following your lead. Uh, you know, it's, it's always fun to just talk army shit. I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, I, it's, it's something that will never get back. I acknowledge that. And, uh, it's just fun to hear about it. Like I listened to the Panjway podcast. Do, mm. do you listen to it? Yep. It's, it's, it's hearing about Spurwingar, you know, after, after I was there and hearing their experiences, it's like, Wow, exactly the same. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I think that's really cool. So, 
um that's that's where i'm at on my journey now is is really just uh, understanding what the fuck happened there like what was the big understanding we understand world war ii we understand world war one uh the movements uh everything that happened um as a matter of fact i found myself diving into history trying to figure out kind of now as well mm -hmm. uh, i've got a pretty keen understanding of what happened in afghanistan but i don't know anything by any means uh, but listening and talking army shit uh with people that have been there uh, in your shoes in one mm -hmm. way or another priceless man it really is um if anybody wants to uh follow you or learn more about you where can they do that um i've got like i'm on facebook uh and um instagram I don't even know the handles. I'm, I'm Chris Dupree and, I, and I'm a Caden Selton Wellness fan. Uh, I'm not that savvy with that. Roger that. Well, uh, again, I can't thank you enough for being on here, man. This has just been a great conversation and I'm really excited to pass these lessons on because there's so much to pull from. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, I hope somebody was listening and, uh, and Chimo to you and your brothers, man. Chimo, brother. That concludes this episode of The Toolbox. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you were able to use some of the information that was offered. I want to thank all those putting it on the line for us every day. Military, veterans, first responders, and public servants. Keep up the good work. I look forward to bringing you more tools for your toolbox. And until next time, stay open, stay humble, and stay focused. GMO.